You are listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Baha'i Perspective is a radio program that examines contemporary issues in a unique spiritual perspective based on the principles of the Baha'i Faith. For information on the Baha'i Faith itself, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org. That's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G. Or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I recorded an interview with Kenneth Wilson, a Baha'i from Punjab in a town called Chandigarh in India, currently living in Amherst, Massachusetts with his American-born wife, Catherine. For those wondering why someone native to Punjab, India, has such a Western-sounding name, I found out from Kenneth that it's customary for Christians in India to name their children with Western names. You find out in the interview that Kenneth's father is from a Hindu background and his mother is from a Christian background. You also find out in this interview that it's Kenneth's maternal family that most greatly influenced him, and it happens sometimes that the children will take their mother's last name when the family is so heavily influenced by that side. I started our interview by asking Kenneth what it was like to grow up in Punjab. Yeah, I was born in Pathankur. It's a small town in northern India, state of Punjab. And I was born in an Air Force campus. My father is an Indian Air Force employee. And I was born in Air Force campus. I lived like 10 years of my life in Air Force campus itself. I went to Air Force school. And I lived in Pathankot for till the age of 10. And then we moved to Chandigarh. It's the capital city of Punjab. What's the name of the city again? Chandigarh. And in Chandigarh, yeah, that's my hometown, I guess I can say. Mm -hmm. Because I lived almost all, all of my life in Chandigarh. Uh, I did my schooling from Chandigarh, I did my university from Chandigarh, I studied in Air Force School after that, uh, I did my university from Punjab University, Chandigarh, I studied Humanities with Sociology and Public Administration as my majors, mm -hmm. and I did my bachelor's from Punjab University, and after that I started working in Chandigarh itself, Mm -hmm. I worked with Sony International, Panasonic International for like four years and mm -hmm. then I moved to Delhi because uh, National Spiritual Assembly of the Baha'is of India, they asked me to come and work at the Lotus Temple. Okay, now and why don't you uh, give us a little background here. Uh, what's a local spiritual assembly? Okay. Local spiritual assembly is an assembly of nine members. Baha'is, they don't have priesthood, so instead of having priests, we have a, a administrative bodies. Mm -hmm. And local spiritual assembly is assembly of a, a local body for a, a city Chandigarh, uh, which have which have like nine members in it, mm -hmm. and yeah, it, it's an elected mm -hmm. institutions for Baha'is to for the local area. And there was one in Delhi. Yeah, there was one in Delhi. There was one in my hometown. So, in each uh, region, there is a local spiritual assembly. And yeah, they were looking for someone to work as an assistant coordinator. Like it's, it was a job to organize study circle, institute campaigns. Stuff okay, like now that. study circles, what are, what are study circles? Study circles is like, as I told you before, that uh, as Baha'is we don't have priests. Mm. So we don't go to priests to learn. So what, how we learn, we learn in these study circles to learn more about faith, to develop virtues in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And through these study circles, we sit in a group. We have Ruhi Institute books. These are books organized specially for Baha'is to uh, educate themselves. Mm -hmm. And through these books, we sit in a group. We read from the holy writings, Baha'i holy writings, sometimes from the holy writings of different religions. Mm -hmm. And then we discuss, we consult, mm -hmm. and that's how we learn. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something about a lotus temple. What is that? A uh, lotus temple is the local name for Baha'i House of Worship for, uh, for Indian subcontinent. Mm -hmm. and it's a temple for Baha'is in that area. Mm -hmm. And it's in New Delhi. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's the only temple in Asia, Baha'i temple. Mm -hmm. And how, did, how is it that you even ran across the Baha'is? 
Okay, when I was studying in class 11th, I guess 11th grade. 11th grade. Yeah, yeah. my neighbors were Baha'is, and once I was talking to them, they gave me some literature. And well, how is it that they gave you literature? I mean, did the did they happen to mention it or something in conversation? Yeah, they were telling me that they are going out for a teaching trip. That was a trip for, like it's a Baha'i teaching trip. Youths from different areas, they used to come together and learn. Mm-hmm. So they asked me if I want to come because everyone was invited in that. In the area? In that area, yeah. in Punjab and Himachal Pradesh. These are two states nearby. Mm-hmm. So they asked me if I can come. And that was my school summer vacation. So I said, yeah, I would love to. But at that point, I was thinking that youths are coming together. It won't be like spiritual kind of right. stuff. It would be like having fun coming together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah. And they said, before you come for that, you should know what it is. And they gave me some literature to read. Mm-hmm. And I, I come from a Christian family. Mm-hmm. My family is Catholic. Mm-hmm. So they gave me books. And mm-hmm. the first gave, book they gave me, it was Christianity Renewed by okay. Mr. Maxwell. Uh-huh. And so are these books in English or in your language? It was in English. Uh-huh. And so yeah. English is, uh, isn't your primary language? Yeah, English is not my primary language. Uh, at my home we speak Hindi and sometimes Punjabi. I come from state of Punjab, so, but I live in city. In cities in India usually people speak Hindi, uh-huh. but Punjabi is the language of my state. Mm-hmm. So I know Punjabi, English, Hindi is my first language, then Punjabi, and I studied in a April school where English is like primary subject. Mm-hmm. So at, by 11th grade, you knew how to read English. Yeah, I can read to, and understand English yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. And what was the name of the book again? It was Christianity Renewed by Alexander... Christianity and Youth? Renewed. Oh, Renewed. Christianity yeah. Renewed. Okay. It was by Alexander Maxwell, mm-hmm. I guess, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, yeah, and then I met this another person from that area. And it was like, I was reading that book and he said, we need this book in Hindi as well. So why don't you translate this book for us? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I started reading it and translating it. That gave me like more to know that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was just reading it, it was like just a normal going through the book. But when I started translating it, I went in dictionary, looked for work, and there was a lot of quotations from Bible in that book. Mm-hmm. So I have to actually go into the Hindi Bible, read it, and then read it in the English Bible, compare it and write it. So that how, how long did it take you to do that? It took me like a couple of months, three, four months to translate, mm-hmm. because that book comes in three volumes. So wow. I, I translated all those three volumes for it. How many pages are we talking about? Uh, we are talking about here, one book has minimum 150 pages. So about uh, 450 pages yeah. in, three, in three or four months. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and actually that was, that person wanted me to know that book more, that's why he asked me, there, there is Hindi translation available <laughs> of that book. So he, th- he said that at that point he was thinking, I will know that book more, and moreover we'll get the Hindi translation, and later on we realize that it's already available. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Okay. So you, uh, so you ended up translating this book, Yeah. and, and then what happened? And then I got to know a lot about a comparative study between Baha'i faith and, Krish, uh, and, and Bible, mm-hmm. Baha'i writings and Christian holy writings. And I, at that point, I realized, yeah, Baha'i faith is the religion for me mm-hmm. because it's the religion for today. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, when you were in 11th grade? Yeah, I was in 11th grade. So what was your parents' reaction to that? Uh, actually, I come from a very weird family background. <laughs> well, let's, <laughs> my, talk, let's talk about that. My mother's side of my family is Christian, Catholic, mm-hmm. and my father comes from a Hindu background. But mm-hmm. my father is more like no religion. Mm-hmm. He, he says that he's Hindu, but he never reads writings or anything. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of non-practicing, non-practicing Hindu. Hindu, yeah. Hindu. But he's very proud Hindu. That's what he says. He says everyone in India is Hindu. So... Mm-hmm. At that, he's like very fanatic. He knows nothing about his religion, but he's very fanatic about it. Okay. And, and how, how does that manifest itself, being fanatic about a religion he doesn't practice? Yeah, he's like, most. there are a lot of people in India, they believe that whosoever is born in India is Hindu. Mm-hmm. If you're born in India, you're Hindu. Yeah. They believe that 
Christianity or Islam or any other religion, they are not religion of India mm-hmm. because they were mm-hmm. not started in India. Mm-hmm. But Hinduism is the religion of India because it started in India. Yeah. And did he believe in the caste system? Uh, my father strongly believes in caste system. Still does? Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's your father? Yeah. He's like non-practicing Hindu. He, he never says it that this people, these people are from lower caste or what. But yeah. he's proud that he's, he comes from a higher caste. Yeah. Yeah. And your mom? And my mom comes from a Catholic family. Uh, my mom was a very devotee Christian, regular to church. And I was more influenced by my mother's side of my family, my maternal family. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up with my uncles. They are like five, six years older than me. But I grew up with them. Your uncles are five or six years older than you? Yeah, my youngest uncle is like... Six years older than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you uh, you arrived. How does that work? You arrived late and uh, relative to uh, your parents, brothers, and sisters. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, or the other way around. No, I guess they arrived late yeah. versus you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my mom is the eldest one in the family, and then she has two brothers and mm. one sister. Yeah. And it was more like. A very friendly relation between my uncles and my auntie. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I grew up with them and that's how like, I used to come back from school. I used to go to play cricket with my uncle. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. My aunt was my primary tutor at home. She used to help me with my studies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was more influenced by my maternal side of my family. And yeah, so I grew up as a Catholic. Mm-hmm. I, was bap- I was baptized. I got mm-hmm. all like five holy sacraments okay what is what does that mean uh, it's baptism i was baptized as being catholic and then i went for confession mm-hmm. and i got holy oil mm-hmm. and i forgot two more <laughs> but you you were a uh, then a, 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 a very active catholic yeah i was a very active catholic mm-hmm. i used to go to church every sunday i was involved with church catechism classes and everything and I was in church choir as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I was a quite active Catholic and moreover mm-hmm. my I was forced by my grandparents to go to church so if I miss one Sunday that means like I used to get a big lecture from my <laughs> grandparents so I yeah. have to go to church <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so um, what was their reaction when you uh, became Baha'i or when you got interest in the Baha'i faith the first when I became Baha'i, I went for a teaching trip. They were not very, they think they thought that this guy is having fun going out yeah. with friends, so it's fine. Sort of the same thought you had when you yeah. were going to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. And moreover, I was quite unsure what I am doing at that point. Mm. I went for a teaching trip. I signed a card because I liked the religion, I liked its teachings, but I was not very sure what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And when I went for teaching, I spoke with different people and I spoke with like people from different backgrounds. They used to ask me questions mm-hmm. like, uh, why we need Baha'u'llah for this age, uh, why a new religion, or why even we need a religion. Type questions like that. I, I don't know what to answer. Mm-hmm. And then I used to go ask people or look through the books. And I never did this when I was Christian because being Christian means only one Christ. Mm-hmm. And we don't believe in any other religion. We have only one Christ. But when I became Baha'i, I started respecting others' religion. Mm-hmm. Like being Christian, for me, Hindu God and Goddesses, I was like, they are satins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> only Christ is the Son of God. But I started respecting their religion. I started respecting Islam. I sp- started respecting Buddhists. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, this is the best thing I like about Baha'i faith, that we mm-hmm. believe in progressive revelation in compared to other religions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting back to your family's reaction to... And when I came back from teaching trip, at, it was a two-month teaching trip. I came back and I became a very active Baha'i. I, mm. And I started with my family. I started teaching them. I started telling them that Baha'u'llah is the return of Christ. Yeah, and yeah. It was kind of not very mature type of approach, but it was like, yes, Baha'u'llah is the return of Christ, and you have to accept it. Yeah, sort of a pain in the neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they really opposed me at that point. Yeah. And then my mom was 
she was a very regular like very active christian but she respected all religions so i never got any opposition from my mother hmm. but i got opposition from my uncles because i stopped going to church and that was a big step hmm. and my grandfather and my uncles they were like why why you're not going to church anymore and then i used to try <laughs> to tell them that this is what i'm following and they are like no there is no other religion it's only jesus and hmm. i got like uh once i was kicked out from my home mm-hmm. actually when i became bahai my brother also became bahai oh okay my younger brother uh-huh. how old was he he's 2 years younger than me so okay, he was in ninth grade i guess yeah so we were two of us we used to we were teaching our family we were, we were like getting literature from <laughs> bahai literature comparative yeah. studies between bahai faith and christian writings mm. and you have to send it to our uncles cousins that <laughs> <laughs> has it your your younger brother became bahai my younger brother in starting he became bahai because i became bahai <laughs> okay so he didn't go to this teaching trip he he went with me for oh yeah <clears throat> we are like two bodies one soul so <laughs> oh <you're> very close <laughs> yeah we are very close like mm-hmm. my best friend is my brother oh cool so we went together for teaching trip and whatever happened with me it's same story with my brother mm. because he also started believing in bahala and he also started approaching um, my family and mm. telling them about new religion mm-hmm. and so once we were kicked out from our home for like 8 months we were out from our home because our family is like either you are christian or you are not living with so even though your mother was sympathetic yeah it was your your uncles that pretty much yeah my family was no were you you all lived together uncles and you all lived in the same house no we lived in a different house but it was like very close to my uncle's house and my mm. father was living in border of india pakistan he was he's in air force so he lived at in kashmir for like 16 years mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he used to come for two months in a year sometimes two mm-hmm. months in two years mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. my family was very much influenced by my uncle Yeah. Okay, so your what did your mother feel about your uncles insisting that you leave the house? Uh my mother was quite sad about this thing but my uncles they influenced my family so it was like I used to go and see my mother and it was it I think that was one positive thing which happened that gave me chance to be independent. Mhm. Because when, once I left home and what what I, how old were you then? I I started working I applied for a job and fortunately I got job with uh, Panasonic India. Mm-hmm. And I started working as a sales person with them. Yeah, but you were kicked out of the house uh, after you graduated from school? Yeah. I think. After I finished my 12th grade. Okay. And what about your younger brother? My brother went with me like wherever I go he goes. So he had not finished school. Yeah, he he was still in school. Okay, so you you where did you where did you end up living? Close by or? First one month was very difficult because no money, nothing. Mm-hmm. We, we were out from our home, mm-hmm. so we lived in Bahai house, Chandigarh Bahai house for like a month. What yeah. is that? It's a Bahai center for the local Bahais of that area. Mm-hmm. So there are guest rooms and all, and we requested local spiritual assembly to give us a place for a month. So mm-hmm. we lived in the guest room for a month, mm-hmm. and then I got a job, and we rented a place. And it was kind of funny because we rented a place right opposite our home. <laughs> <laughs> You're right across the street, yeah. huh? <laughs> so uh, oh, we were God. living. I was working, and we were living fun life. having good time together and like after 8 months my family realized that nothing is going to change so let <laughs> let them come back <laughs> so they requested us to come back yeah, that's funny that's funny so you came back yeah we came back and there was a whole uh, opposition and everything stopped they stopped talking about religion with us mhm mhm so things sort of smoothed out yeah things were smoother yeah. and then yeah I was quite active in my community and I was the local spiritual assembly member at a point and mm-hmm. I became regional council member for at a point. Mm-hmm. Now what's a regional council? Regional council okay I was talking about Bahai administration. Mm-hmm. So first on local level it's an individual Bahai. Mm-hmm. So when there are in one area when there are more than 9 Bahais they elect an assembly that okay. is called local spiritual assembly for that area. Mhm. 
and in one state there are like lot of local spiritual assemblies okay and once in a year all these members from these different local spiritual assemblies they come together and elect a regional council mm-hmm. uh in india we call it state bahai council so mm-hmm. they all these local spiritual assemblies they may elect nine bahais from that state mm-hmm. to become the state bahai council mm-hmm. Okay, so you were elected on this uh, state bahai council. Yeah, I was on state bahai council mm-hmm. as well as I was in lo- on local spiritual assembly of Chandigarh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty busy. I was very busy. <laughs> Actually, bahai during those days, bahai faith was my full time job. Mm. Rest of everything, I I was working with a company because when I left home, I started working with this company. and even when i came back i was going to university but part time i was working with this company mhm mhm so uh, are there a lot of bahais in yeah in india yeah india is the largest bahai community it has 1.5 million bahais when you say the largest bahai community you mean of all the uh, countries in the, all the, in the world, in the world yeah. it's the largest concentration yeah. of bahais i think So I was in Chandigarh working with this company as my part-time job going to university and then I finished my university I did my bachelor's in humanities mm-hmm. and at that point I was looking for some full-time job mm-hmm. to do and okay in between that I <laughs> after I get, get finished my university local spiritual assembly was looking for some pioneers home front pioneers as we call okay. so bahai so what is that yeah bahais like individual bahais they can go to some area and live there for some time to spread teachings of bahai faith okay so what makes it moving to that particular place a because, home front pioneer because a local spiritual assembly was looking for someone to go in that area and moreover bahais they have a bahai house in that area mm-hmm. uh but there was like couple of bahais in that area so they were looking for someone to go and start activities there okay so i finished my university so i thought okay <laughs> i can go so i went there and i lived in that area for like 8 9 months mm-hmm. and i worked with bahais there and moreover it's like less with bahais and more with non bahai i started children moral education classes there okay i started study circles as i was talking about them before right. so tell me about those uh, moral education classes what was what was that about children moral education classes are okay first for bahais uh, children moral classes uh, are to teach bahai children more about bahai teaching bahai history and mm-hmm. everything but for non bahai children these classes are more like virtue building classes virtue building because moral education is for everyone it's not mm-hmm. only for bahai children mm-hmm. it's for everyone mm-hmm. and everyone needs virtues like friendship being polite humble mm-hmm. everyone uh, being merciful we all mm-hmm. need these virtues and mm-hmm. school education is kind of very routine education mm-hmm. it doesn't help anyone I, i'm not sure about the united states but in india moral education is not a big part of school education mm-hmm. so as being bahais we think it's our responsibility to educate children in moral education okay. because that builds a, a base for them to be a better human being mm-hmm. person can be a good doctor or engineer but if he is not a good human being there's no use of mm-hmm. being that yeah so moral education is teaching children good virtues virtues yeah. i think so i was doing some children moral education classes and they in in soon in like 7 8 months there was a strong community started coming up in that area mm-hmm. there were a lot of people who started accepting bahai faith mm-hmm. and in between that there was a, another local bahai from that area he started taking initiatives himself so at that point i found myself like i can go somewhere else or i can come back home mm-hmm. I lived there for not a year it's like 8 9 months mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I was accompanied by one of my friends so two of us we were there working there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I came back and I started working again with the same company I was working with mm-hmm. and yeah at at that time national spiritual assembly this is the national council for entire india as I was talking that local spiritual assembly is a local level administrative body and then there is a state level administrative body and there is then there is a national level administrative body and all these institu- institutions are elected institutions so national spiritual assembly of india they have their national headquarters in new delhi mm-hmm. so they were looking for someone 
to come and work in their one office, which was Human Resource Development Office. Human Resource Development. Yeah, the, this office mainly organizes workshops, study circles, and different types of institute programs all over India. Mm -hmm. So they were looking for someone as an assistant national coordinator. One of the National Spiritual Assembly member is from our city. So mm -hmm. he asked me if I can go because the, he said that at that point I was working, so I don't want to leave my job. Mm -hmm. And he said that National Spiritual Assembly is going to support me for that. So, and they desperately need someone. So mm. I moved to Delhi. Okay. So that became a, a, a full-time job for you? Yeah, that became full -time Now what does hu human resource development mean? Human resource development is, uh, as I was talking earlier, that there is no priesthood in Baha'i. Mm. So we have these study circles and moral education classes, but we need someone to coordinate all these in all over India. So mm. there, there's an office in National Spiritual Assembly office mm. uh, in New Delhi. Mm. There's a branch of office called Human Resource Development. Mm. And this office is responsible for collecting data from all over India regarding mm -hmm. the study circles and to encourage people to organize the study circles, moreover to go and organize institute campaigns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, and how long, how long did you do that for? I did that for like about a an year and I traveled all over India during that. Mm -hmm. I went to different places, organized the study circles, institute programs. Mm -hmm. and. After almost, I started in October 2002. Mm. Uh, yeah, October 2002, I started my job. Mm. And at the end of September 2002, uh, 2003, uh, Baha'i House of Worship, it's a completely different office. It's a temple as well as, uh, because we get around 25,000 visitors every day. It's like just on weekdays and on mm. weekends it goes to from... 40 to 60,000 people. Visiting the yeah. House of Worship. Yeah, so there are like uh, volunteers there who help to facilitate these visits of different visitors from mm -hmm. all around the world. Mm -hmm. And as Baha'i House of Worship is the most visited place in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. This is a survey done, done by Time Magazine. And oh. it says there are, first they came up with three most visited places are Taj Mahal, India, mm -hmm. Baha'i House of Worship, India, and Eiffel Tower, I guess. Okay. And yeah, I'm, I'm not guessing it's sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Eiffel Tower. Okay. And then they find that Baha'i House of Worship is the, well, anything in Delhi is the most visited place <laughs> because a lot of people, even McDonald's, Delhi is the most visited <laughs> McDonald's in the world. <laughs> oh, okay. So Baha'i House of Worship, New Delhi. And moreover, it's in the center of this city of New Delhi mm -hmm. and it's the primary attraction for the tourists from all around the world who come and visit Delhi. Mm -hmm. So it's their main like, primary attraction to visit Baha'is worship because not only because of its spiritual aspect, mm -hmm. because of the building itself, it's an amazing building to see. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, one could find a picture of it somewhere on the web, you think? Yeah, sure. Uh, it can go to Baha'i.org. Baha www.baha'i.org yeah. probably there's a link there for India or something yeah or you can go to directly to www.baha'iindia.org I can spell okay. it for you it's b-a-h-a-i-n-d-i-a dot org baha'iindia.org yeah. okay and there is a link to temple you can read more about that okay so the uh, architecture of the temple is of interest to the populace there. Yeah, it's uh, one of its kind building. They call it seven, eighth wonder of the world hmm. because, or uh, sometimes on like these tourist panels, they write uh, Taj Mahal of 21st century. Hmm. It's, it's a wonderful building to see, and it's it's uh, architect of uh, Baha'is of worship in India, Mr. Paribus Saba. He's Canadian by nationality. Actually, he's Iranian, but he's Canadian national, and it's a beautiful building. To see. Mm -hmm. There's nine doors which symbolize that people from all the directions. Because in most of the Indian religions, we believe that there are nine directions. Okay. So oh, really? nine doors symbolizes that 
people from all those nine directions are welcome to visit Baha'is of worship. Mm-hmm. And so you were mentioning that the Hindu religion also has this nine directions, or is it? Yeah. Oh, can you in talk Hindu, about that? Yeah, in Hinduism we believe Nadishai, it's same nine directions, and nine is the highest number because numbers after nine is ten, which is the combination of one and zero. So, mm-hmm. and moreover, there are nine major religions in the world. So it also symbolizes that people from all those nine religions are most welcome mm. to pray according mm. to their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, what was your uh, role there at the House of Worship? I worked with the Public Relations Department of the House of Worship, uh, which is mainly responsible for welcoming VIP people because we get like ambassadors from different countries, we get prime ministers, presidents, first ladies, prince and princess from different countries. And public relations department works with all these uh, to facilitate these VIP visits in temple because these visits need special security. We have to coordinate with the Delhi police, local police of that area mm-hmm. in security aspect. And this is like one part of the job. Another mm-hmm. part is uh, listening to the like facilitating vis- visits more like how to say it like coordinating it more orga- in an organized way because uh, handling 25,000 visitors on daily basis is it sounds very easy but it's a very difficult thing especially when we have to maintain the garden all around the temple so we have to take care that nobody destroy flowers everything will be fine mm-hmm. and then people they instead of like we, we don't uh, like we request them not to walk on grass or don't pluck flowers mm-hmm. But moreover, in India, it's very difficult to request someone and he'll, they will do it <laughs> accordingly. If you tell them, don't walk on grass, they will definitely walk on grass. <laughs> and <laughs> we cannot force them not to do that, but to make it in more polite way. Mm-hmm. And, and this is another aspect of job. And then we... Now, you've mentioned security. Now, um, is there anything about the Baha'i faith uh, in particular, that the security is an issue. Uh, I mean, are there? How does the the rest of India look at the Baha'i their point of view? Baha'i in India, and every like most of the people who know about Baha'i faith in India, they be, they believe that it's a peaceful religion. Mm. And but security, when I'm talking about security, it's the most visited place. It's very crowded, mm. and India usually crowded places are not very safe places because there are a lot of terrorist activities and stuff. Mm-hmm. And especially when a president from India is visiting a place, mm. you need to be more careful about security. Mm. Uh, as Delhi Police profile says that when a first lady or a president visits a security place, there are around 2,000 security workers working in like one kilometer diameter of the area. Mm. So, and we, we don't stop crowd to coming to temple. When a VIP is visiting, we don't stop other people not to visit because it's a temple for everyone. It's not only for presidents or the right. VIP people. So, it's like coordinating their visits with this VIP person, taking care of the aspect of security. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're going into other responsibilities you have there? Yeah. My, this is like, uh, this is one part of job. My job mainly was to talk to visitors because there are a lot of visitors who come to Baha'i Faith. They see these beautiful buildings, they read this beautiful writings there. They visit information center. We have an information center at Baha'i Temple, which provides information about Baha'i Faith, Baha'i socioeconomic development activities. Uh, about the architect of architecture of temple because it's a beautiful building. People wants to know about architecture of temple. They ask questions about what is Baha'i faith, how mm. the religion was started, who's the founder, and people like lots and lots of different questions. Like, mm. There are sometimes so many weird questions we used to get. <laughs> like there are there are nine pools surrounds this temple, and people is, are not allowed in those pools because it's clean water looks very beautiful. It's not a swimming pool, of course. Mm-hmm. But there are people who wants to go in pool <laughs> because Delhi is a hot place in summer. <laughs> so like, why we are not allowed in pools? <laughs> Sometimes why we have to walk in this heat? You should provide us a lift to go to temple. <laughs> lot and lot of things. So 
How do you answer such questions? Yeah, it's difficult to answer, <laughs> but once you get in the habit of doing that, it becomes easy. Yeah, yeah. What typically is an answer for you? Uh, okay, most commonly asked question is, who's Baha'u'llah? Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of these more mundane questions. <laughs> like, why, why, why can't they go in the pool? <laughs> yeah, we put, one thing, we put a lot of bleach in pools oh. to uh, make water free from insects, bugs, and everything. So mm. if you put hand in bleach, it's gonna destroy your skin. Yeah. So that's yeah. the most easy answer to give. Like, <laughs> yeah. don't put the, a lot of bleach in the pools. <laughs> yeah. What about the lift? Not having a lift. <laughs> well, we don't have it right now. We'll try. <laughs> Maybe in the future, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And there was this. We we played about Baha'i faith, to talk about more about Baha'i faith, and mm. to tell people about our socio-economic development project. So in India in particular? Uh, yeah, in India mm. particular. Mm -hmm. Like we have women's development institutes in India, we have schools in India, for children of all ages, we have technical mm. institutions in India. So tell me about the Women's Development Institute. Women's Development Institute is called Burley Development Institute. It's in Madhya Pradesh state of India, city called Indore. And it's an institute which provides women from rural, rural areas to come and learn about skills which will provide them to like, make a living out of their life. Mm -hmm. Because mainly in India, especially in rural India, women, they do so much work. They work at their home. They go and work in their farms. But it's totally free because mm. technically they are not working. They are working in their own farms. They are not paid for that. So it's like uh, subsistence living? Yeah. But this institute provides them how to make a solar cooker. Like they teach them how to make solar cooker. So, uh, a solar cooker. A solar cooker. So or how to like nice embroidery on clothes or... Printing on bed sheets. I never visited that institute actually, mm -hmm. but my wife Catherine, she served in that institute for like two months, mm -hmm. and they provide a lot of skills to women from rural areas so they can make better living out of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So the uh, Baha'i House of Worship showed off these uh, social and economic developments. Yeah, at the information center. We have these panels, huge panels, which describes these social economic development projects. Also, people if they are they look at these panels and they want to join these institute, institutes, they are most welcome to do that. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. used to provide addresses and sometimes people, they get interested to know more about Baha'i Faith. So here mm -hmm. we come with the workshops, we coordinate workshops, we organize workshops for mm -hmm. them so mm -hmm. that they can come and consult. If they have questions, they can ask. And with workshops, we also celebrate all the United Nations Day at the mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, like uh, National, International Youth Day or International Peace Day, we organize different types of programs where we uh, provide opportunities to the visitors who visit temple and they show their interest to come up with some ideas for the program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my, my main job was to uh, interact with visitors or if I find possibility or if they are really interested, well, invite them to workshops, organize workshops for them. Uh, help in this United Nations team. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. That was my main area of job. Besides mm. that, it comes with security and everything, mm. even photography. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were the official photographer? Yeah, I was the official <laughs> photographer of the <laughs> So you wore many hats. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, now here comes my love story. <laughs> okay, let's hear the love story. Now all this gets edited out. So yeah, when I was, <laughs> I was serving at the Baha'i House of Worship, mm -hmm. I met this beautiful girl. <laughs> Her name is Catherine. She was from United States, state of Massachusetts. Uh -huh. She was Baha'i from U.S. Which, like, We get volunteers from all around the world to the Baha'i House of Worship. They come mm -hmm. and serve there mm -hmm. for like two, three months. And she was in India for her one year of service because being Baha'i youth, we are encouraged to go for a year of service where we can go and work in different Baha'i institutions or provide our services to society, kind of social service. So she was on her one year of service to India and her first stop was obviously Baha'i as a worship. She was serving there. And yeah, she was accompanied by Gabriel. Yeah, that's my son. <laughs> <laughs> so... They both came and 
I met Catherine and we became very good friends mm-hmm. in like two months of our service. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really, I don't, I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, it turned was, into a budding romance. Yeah, and it started when she said that her aim, she wants to start a school somewhere where she can help children mm-hmm. in education. Mm-hmm. And that's like one of my dream, like mm. it's not one of, I can say it's my major dream of that I want to start a school of my own after finishing my education. Mm. I want to start a school. Mm. And that was like primary motive. Oh, you want to start a start school? And she's like, I'm interested to start school in India. And I was mm. like, yeah, well, we can start <laughs> school together. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. She was there for three months, and during those three months, her parents, they visited India. Mm. So I met her parents, they mm. seemed very nice people, mm. and then I met her grandmother, she was visiting India, mm. and yeah, I tried to impress them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then we decided that, okay, we get along very well together, yeah. mm-hmm. and we liked each other, and... Yeah, as Baha'is, we believe that the motive of Baha'is is to carry forward an ever-advancing civilization, and we need to get married for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then we we decide. Finally, we decided that we're gonna get married. Mm-hmm. And so you decided that while you were she was, she was still at she the house of worship. There at the yeah. House of worship. Actually, okay. she left and she was in Delhi for a few days before she was going to Nepal. Okay. So. At the end of our service, we were like quite sure we were going to get married. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then she went to Nepal for a service. She came back. She went to different places. But Delhi became center point for her. She used to go to different places, come back to Delhi. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then I suggested her to go back to my hometown if she wants to serve because uh, my hometown needed some people to conduct different activities. Mm. So I suggested her and she went there and she was staying at the Baha'i house but she was like, you know, in this huge building she was alone uh-huh. staying there. Mm. So then she asked me that if she can stay with my family. I mm. said, yeah, you're most welcome if you want to stay with my family. And mm. that gave her a chance to know more about my family and and she lived with my family for like three months and she became very close to my family, mm. my uncle, my aunts, and my father, and everyone liked her, and then decided to get married, and where to get married, whether in India or in United States, but she was not sure, because being, as Baha'i youths, to get married, we need consents from our family, we cannot get married without the consent of our parents. And why is that, do you think? Because Baha'i faith is, we believe Baha'i faith is the religion for people today, which is here to unite the world. And first step of unity starts from family. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have unity in your family, how we can talk about world unity when there's mm. no unity in my own family? Mm. So because of this, there is this law in Baha'i faith. Baha'u'llah gave this law that Baha'is, they have to get consent from their parents mm-hmm. to get married. Okay. And this is to establish unity in family. And I think this is very important law in Baha'i faith. Mm-hmm. So... She came back to United States and I was still in India. So she got consent from her parents. It took her like three months, I guess, to mm-hmm. get, for, get consent from her mother was quite easy for her. But from father and she when she's still in school mm-hmm. and they were not expecting her to get married. Mm-hmm. So it took her like three months to get consent because mm-hmm. her mother is Baha'i and her father is Christian. Mm-hmm. And... But he is very respectful towards Baha'is and mm. Baha'i teachings. Mm-hmm. So, he took us some time to get consent because her father spoke with many Baha'is, what is Baha- marriage in Baha'i faith. Mm. And then he himself read a lot of Baha'i writings to know more about the mar- marriage, institution of marriage in Baha'i faith. Mm. And then mm-hmm. finally she got consent and one afternoon I was taking a nap in my room and I got a phone call that mm-hmm. she got consent from her father mm. and she said, my father is going to call you in 20 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I was not at all prepared for to speak. And I was like, first time talking to someone, yeah, I'm going to marry your daughter. <laughs> so I was quite oh, scared and nervous. Oh my. Oh my God. 
And yeah, finally everything worked out. But so how was the conversation? Convers- conversation <laughs> was quite like from his side. He was asking me a lot of questions, and I was like, yes, no, okay. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> yeah, right. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like, Yeah, so well, you want to marry my daughter? I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So, uh, yeah, and then because she's she was still in school and she has three four years more to go for her education. I I finished my university, so I don't wanted her to leave university and come back to India and marry me. So. Uh, we decided that I'm gonna come to states and mm-hmm. we'll get married here. We'll live here for some years, mm-hmm. and then once she will finish her studies, we can go back to India and start a school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then get from India to get a visa is quite a difficult thing. First, I applied for a tourist visa, which obviously they they don't want to give a visa to a person who is young and uh. with no. Social like attachments to <laughs> India, they like he's not gonna come back. <laughs> so I applied for tourist visa because I wanted. At that point, we were thinking that I'm gonna come and speak to her parents about the consent, but I didn't get it. So mm. She spoke, we got the consent, and then she applied for my fiance visa, which mm. is like a three months visa. When you come to India, when when I come to states, I have to get married in three months. Mm. I'll be sent back to my country. Mm. So I came. Uh, I applied. She applied for fiance visa. I was called for interview, and between that, this period is like a one-year p- process. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was quite a long time to live apart. Yeah. So she was going to Israel for her pilgrimage trip because Baha'i World Center or Holy Land for Baha'is is in Israel, mm-hmm. and so she was going for her pil- pilgrimage with her pa- parents to Israel, and I thought that. This is going to be a good opportunity to meet her family. So mm. she asked me to come, and I went to Israel, mm. and I met her parents. And first time I met her brother. I don't mm. think so. He liked me at first, but now I guess he <laughs> likes me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I met her family. We stayed together for. They were there for nine days, but I went there for three days. Mm. So we were together for three days, and that gave me chance to know them more and. Mm. Give them chance. They give them chance to know me more. Mm. So, yeah. And then I came back, and finally I got my interview, and I got visa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I want to start my education here. For mm. that, I guess I need to study one more year here at UMass mm. to get my bachelor's, mm-hmm. and then I can go for masters. Mm. What do you want to get your bachelor's in, and what do you want to get your masters in? Uh, I want to get my masters in sociology. Mm. Till now, I think I want to get into yeah. sociology. Although I like public administration, I was confused mm. in public administration mm. and sociology. Mm. But I guess I'm gonna go for sociology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We sort of left your brother behind. Yeah. Like you said, you were so close, and he followed you when you left home. What happened when you went homefront pioneering? To that uh, other location in India. When I went to other location, my brother was still at home, and that place is not far away from my hometown. Oh, okay. It's like one and a half hour journey in bus to go to that place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I used to come on every weekend to see mm-hmm. my brother. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to Delhi, that was a big distance, around 250 kilometers away from my town. And yeah, I missed my brother, but I used to go on. Mm. Every alternate weekend to go and see my brother visit family, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's weird how my brother follows me because <laughs> I left Baha'i House of Worship. I came to States and same job at same position. My brother is doing it. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's doing my job in India right now. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Okay, I have one more question for you. And then, uh, what direction do you think your life would have gone in? If you had not run into the Baha'i faith that summer, okay, I found Baha'i faith. That was, I guess, that was the perfect time, and I think that was the plan of God <laughs> to make me accept Baha'i faith. Because at that point, it was like I was sort of figuring out what I'm gonna do with my life, and that was the the primary year where I was about to shape my life. And my friends, 
were I used to go out to bars, drink with them, and I, I was not a heavy heavy drinker, but still I started drinking at that point, and mm. yeah, I I don't know how to say it, but I was so fortunate that I found Baha'i faith mm. at that point. Otherwise, uh, I have friends at back home. I speak to them. They are like some some of them are working, some of them are doing business, but I don't know how to say it. I find when I speak to them, it's like this. When we were in schools, the primary topic to talk about was girls or mm. movies or sports. There's nothing productive coming out of a conversation. Mm. Nothing of now, depth. Yeah. And now when I speak with my Baha'i friends, it's like so much to talk about problems of the world. Mm. Okay, we are planning a children moral education class. Would you like to help in that? Mm. Or we have the study circles. Or we are going to help children in orphanage. Would you like to come? Mm. It's like so much productive to do. But mm. when I sometimes I go back uh, to my hometown and meet my school buddies, mm. still the same conversation. We talk about movies, girls, mm. or like I, it's like life stopped for them at that point. It's still nothing changed. Mm-hmm. But when I look at Baha'i youths, it's huge gap between Baha'i youths and non-Baha'i. I'm not saying that all of them are like that. Right. But yeah. majority of them, they like they don't want something progressive or make better use of their life mm. although some of them are in good positions earning a mm. lot of money or mm. whatever but mm. still it's not important how much money we are earning mm. it's important how better human beings I, I remember one incident one of a Baha'i professor I was talking about earlier he is National Spiritual Assembly member from our city mm-hmm. and he was attending this uh, parent teacher meeting for his kids in the school and these teachers were asking parents what they want their children to be so someone was saying I want my kid to be a doctor somebody said I want my kid to be an engineer when he grow up and he stood up and he said I want my kid to be a better human being <laughs> and everyone was so surprised and I guess that was the perfect answer to give at that point you cannot control life of a kid maybe he'll become a doctor or engineer or a scientist what was the use of being a scientist when you invent nuclear weapons or stuff like that? If you are a good human being, will do something, it will be more beneficial to the society. Mm, mm. So you felt you would have been stuck, yeah, just would have like been the rest stuck of those with my folks. Friends, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. It was lovely talking. Okay, okay. It's like I went in my future back. <laughs> I went in my past. Your past, right, right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kenneth Wilson, a Baha'i from Punjab, India, who is currently living in Amherst, Massachusetts. If you want specific information on the Baha'i faith itself, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org. That's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G. Or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. <laughs> 